0: Hello and welcome to another episode of I Just Want To Be Included. My name is Veronica Olson and today my friend Sarah is back and we are going to talk about the long haul of mental health. As parents, we both have kids that have dealt with many mental health struggles and we have had to find professional resources to help them. This is a daunting task and one that requires a lot of patience, but also a lot of advocating. It's also another difficult topic. We are talking about our kids who have been depressed and suicidal and self-harm. Not easy things, but as always, I ask that you listen with an open heart and mind. The goal of this podcast is to bring humanity to difficult topics. Every day, we are surrounded by people who are struggling in one way or another. We need to start showing compassion, even when we don't understand what they're going through. As always, anything said in this podcast is based on personal opinion, experience, and thoughts. Nothing said should be taken as professional advice. Every person is different, every situation is different. Please always look in your community for professional help to deal with whatever you or your family might be facing. Enjoy the episode. All right. Today, Sarah is back with me, my partner in crime. I love it. (laughs) Um, and today we're going to talk about the long haul of mental health and really from a parenting perspective, both Sarah and I have kids, multiple kids that have dealt with these issues and we've been dealing with them for several years through different phases of life for our kids through different ages, one kid doing well, one kid not doing well, two kids not doing well, one kid doing okay. (laughs) You know, and it's just, there's such looking back, there's so much we have learned and so I feel like the, the importance of this conversation is just so many people are dealing with this issue in one way or another, where it's them personally in their house with their kids or you know, maybe a friend or maybe your, your grandkids, and to understand that when mental health issues surface, there is no quick fix and you have to be prepared to know that it's going to be a long haul, that there's going to be ups and downs and that you will probably have to shift and change. Um, you'll start on one path and then you'll find out that you need to go a different direction. And so for me, at least, it's just trying to help other parents learn from my many, many um, mistakes, <laughs> I guess, if you want to put it that way, um, of just, you know, how to approach this. And it's not easy. And every kid is different. Mm-hmm. Every kid is different. What they need is different. So it's a constant shifting and changing and reaching out to different resources. Has your experience been the same, Sarah? Yes.
1: Very much so, and I think that there's really a not a one size fits all for anybody. No, um, and like I think it's important to note, like coming into this conversation, like I understand that my experiences is, is coming from like a place of privilege, right? Um, that we have had resources available, um, whether it is cash or it's insurance or there are a, there's a wealth of information and resources there and available to us because of kind of our social situation and that's not the same for everybody and i'm very conscious of that yes um not that having that access has made anything that much easier but there are more resources that we have been able to utilize um and we've had access to things that we've had to pay a considerable amount of money for. Yes. Um, but it helped to come with diagnoses and other things to further help, I think, the situation. um, Not that it's made it any easier. Right.
0: But, but it does give you access. When mm-hmm. you have insurance, you at least get access to doctors and facilities that you might not otherwise get access to. So even though, you know, you end up paying out of, out of pocket for a lot of us, just having access yes, or having the choice to go somewhere or not. I don't know how people that don't have those resources do this because it's like you said, it's hard when you do have the resources mm-hmm. it's hard to figure out. Um, so I, I do feel for people who do not have, you know, resources that enable them to just make easy choices and decisions. Um, so, just kind of as an overall umbrella, some of the issues that I've dealt with in my home are depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, self harm behavior, panic attacks, gender identity issues. I don't know. That kind of gives just. So, when we're talking here, we're talking about a wide range of stuff. Yeah. And, Sarah, you've. I think, have some of that on your plate and more, right? Correct. Um, I cover a lot of those yeah.
1: um, in my own household. Um, I also have um, dealt with an eating disorder um, as a result of anxiety and depression, which yep. is a fun one that most people don't really think about in yeah. terms of those types of things going hand in hand, but yeah. they definitely do. Um, I have a child who has ADHD and a lot of other... Um, health issues that coupled with anxiety and depression make those types of diagnoses kind of challenging sometimes. Um, And so, yeah, much like you, I've got a wide variety. We kind of hit in some very similar areas, but then there's kind of with some overlap, but then there's other areas where our experiences are a little different.
0: Yeah. And so it's, it's a wide range. And so as we're talking about kind of our experience and different routes, just understand that we have a lot of, experience with different things Mm -hmm. but we've also learned every kid is different Mm -hmm. every situation is different what they need is different and so this is really trial and error for everybody i feel like any parent Mm -hmm. that's taking this on it's gonna be trial and error you know you you pick you pick a starting point and go with it and see how it goes and then you pivot when you need to it's kind of, yeah. you know, been my, the last 10 years of my life. And I think it's
1: a lot of pivoting and being yeah. okay with that and acknowledging when things are working and when things aren't, yeah. when maybe providers are working, when providers aren't working yep. and kind of even, and I think that makes it hard sometimes when there's like established relationship because you're a little nervous as a parent, like, okay, we're going to do something different, but yep. sometimes you have to make those changes yeah. in order for your child's benefit for the benefit of everybody involved.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and one of the things I was thinking about was how you tell the difference between what's normal behavior and what's something that needs medical, psychiatric, psychological attention, because that's not easy. And Mm -hmm. I remember having a middle schooler who was struggling and it is hard as a parent, right to look at that situation and objectively say this is a problem or this is just being normal teenager Mm -hmm. right because a lot especially when you're talking about depression and and anxiety (laughs) a lot of that you know mirrors typical teenage behavior and so you know i was looking back and trying to think about when i first started seeing problems my first instinct was Oh, she's being a teenager. Because at the end of the day, that's what you want. Yeah. Right? You don't want to acknowledge that there's a problem that needs extra help. That is really hard to do.
1: Tremendously. And it, it, there's almost kind of like some guilt when you look yeah. back. Because I I am the queen of failure, parenting failure that way when just looking at things. And I think um, just even with my oldest, I was thinking back in um, when first kind of anxiety and stuff reared its ugly head she was young like first second grade yeah and it was a lot of headaches and stomach aches and like those types of things and it was just kind of this chronic thing that just kept happening and right. so at the time it's like well you know I don't know so I did kind of, I went to the doctor and I'm like this is kind of what I'm dealing with they're like well maybe it's her eye so, send <laughs> her to the eye doctor. Eye doctor's like, 2020 vision, things are fine, don't know what to tell you, but it's definitely not our eyes.
0: Interesting. You know,
1: and so then it was going back, and they're like, well, you know, sometimes kids are just like this. Maybe it's nerves. Never said anything about anxiety. Never anything like that. And finally, someone said, you know what, maybe you should try therapy. Mm-hmm. And at this time to be honest money was tight and we yeah. had insurance but our insurance was not the greatest yeah and so it was one where we were stuck with the provider most of the providers they gave us did not even like have anything to do with children okay. so we finally found someone who was in our general area not really that close who would was able to see children. So I'm like, yes, okay, we finally have gotten something. And I mean, this was months of just like circling, calling insurance companies, trying to figure out who is even a provider, calling them, waiting for callback, you know, and like just trying to figure out something to kind of help. Let's see what can happen here. right? And so we finally get to somebody And she explains that this is going to kind of be like play based. We're going to talk a little bit. Yeah. You know, and then we'll bring you in as a parent, you know, at the end of so many sessions and we'll have this conversation. And so we did it, you know, not really knowing what was occurring, but we went like three, four, five times. And my child's just not really, doesn't, nothing's changing. Like nothing's changing at all in terms of, the headaches in terms of any of these other things. And so, like, as a parent, I'm like, maybe it is something else, you know, like, whatever. And we finally went for, like, our sit-down parent-child. Like, she was there and was, like, coloring or something. And I was sitting next to my husband. And, like, we were still paying for us what was a lot of money out of pocket for these visits and things like that. And we're sitting, and the therapist is just kind of, I don't know, just not necessarily really engaged and she starts looking down like at her shirt and she's like kind of like as we're talking and she's asking questions but she's like looking down at her shirt and the next thing you know she's got her shirt in her mouth and she's eating like leftover crumbs off of her shirt while we're sitting there like having this conversation (laughs) and my husband and I are looking at each other like what in the world?
0: Yeah. Like,
1: what in the world? And she's like, I think you know, sometimes like it could be some anxiety. And she's having this conversation with us, but she's still continuing to like be concerned with like the food crumbs on her bosom. And oh my
0: gosh. That
1: it was is very crazy. disturbing and just yeah. really disheartening because as a parent, like we had felt like we had come to the end of our ropes. You're our right. only hope, and yet we, here we are. And I've just got this really funny. Mm, feeling about if all you're only hope
0: then we're in trouble <laughs> you know
1: and that was our last session there yeah um and, and it was just kind of one of those situations and you know and when you're talking to a young child who has no experience with anything you know it's just it's kind of a like kids provide very limited information right yes, they do. and so it's yes. just kind of one of those situations where like what do you do?
0: And they don't always know how to vocalize Correct. what they're thinking and feeling, right?
1: You're right. And so when you talk about things like we then like continued on and things like that and where with this particular child where things reared its ugly head was during the pandemic. Yeah. Really during the pandemic. Yeah. And there was a bunch of life circumstances and things that had happened. And to be honest, they were sleeping a ton. Yeah. A ton. But that's what you hear right Mm -hmm. like that's a teenager thing they're gonna sleep a lot like weird hours whatever but we're sleeping so much and things started changing like a little bit like in terms of temperature and regulation and things like that my brain my medical brain goes they've got a thyroid issue that Mm. runs in the family right and so when we go finally to get into a doctor for a regular well check I just happened to mention, hey, like, here's what I've noticed, you know, like we're having issues with temperature regulation. We're cold all the time, like yeah. we're sleeping a lot. Could we maybe run a thyroid panel just right. you know, because there is a family history and things like that. And the doctor kind of looked at me like I was crazy.
0: <laughs> right.
1: And was like, Well, like, let's dig into this a little bit more. Okay. You know? Um And once we started digging into this a little bit more, which this had been going on, but like your typical things, we're in the middle of a pandemic, the social withdrawing, like you weren't allowed to even walk down the street with like friends. That's everybody. Like It was everybody. And so there was a lot of those things where it's like, yeah, you're being a teenager, but we've cut you off from like your whole entire world. There's a lot of life changes happening here. And
0: the country's a mess. The country's a mess.
1: (laughs) Like, it yeah. uh, feels like everything, like we're going to hell in a handbasket. Right. This kind of seems like normal teenage behavior. Right. In terms of your sleeping and things like that. But unfortunately, what was happening was is the anxiety and the depression and all of these things had reared its ugly head in such a way that our body didn't know what to do and it was sleeping and was starting to shut down. Right. Which is where the eating disorder comes in. Right. And when you look at it, It makes complete sense, but at the time, you know, you were still eating. Was it at an odd time? Yeah. Like, and it seemed like you were covering things, but the reality of the situation is no. Like, it wasn't necessarily normal. And, you know, and I think with a lot of situations and looking at my other children, a lot of times it comes across as like, this is just what is normal. This is how kids are. Like, this is like how they behave and when you talk to people, like, and I think sometimes too, like peers are like, oh, that's normal. Like my child, or when you look to older people, because I hadn't had kids at that age. Right. And they're like, oh yeah, that's like a typical like teenage thing. I remember when, you know, they're going to grow out of it. And so I think sometimes a lot of times it looks like typical behavior, typical type things. And it's really easy to sometimes miss warning signs before they kind of have exacerbated into like a bigger problem yeah that you're trying to then manage
0: yeah absolutely looking back definitely there were things i should have been on top of before and i think part of it is when you put your kids in school with all these other kids you want your kid just be like everybody else Mm -hmm. right (laughs) yeah just be normal just be like everybody else you know don't (laughs) Don't be different, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, because as a parent, like you, it's hard to deal with when your kid's different, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just hard, and it's challenges that you don't know how to deal with. Um, So I definitely remember having those thoughts. And one thing I remember dealing with with child number one is when I I first learned that you know we really needed to do counseling for these suicidal thoughts and the depression and anxiety. Making a phone call to insurance's behavior health line <laughs> getting the answer machine and saying we will call you back within forty eight hours. I was like, You're kidding me, right? Yeah. I've got a suicidal child and you're gonna get back with me within forty eight hours. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that help. <laughs> and then when you do get a hold of somebody, you're dealing with wait lists. Yep. Yeah. All over the place because no one has enough counselors or therapists to see area that needs help
1: and that's not a new issue that's been going on oh yeah for a long time yes but yes. we hear about it now more because of kind of i think the way that people are talking about these things more yes. i think and it's become a little more acceptable to talk about these things yeah but like keep in mind this was
0: a while ago oh like, yeah this is a yeah while for back. this kid we're probably looking at eight or nine years ago yeah. easily um and so I remember going down that path and thinking, okay, well, this doesn't seem to be working. <laughs> so I start making other phone calls and we ended up going a private pay route because the private pay person could get her in mm-hmm. within a week. Yeah. And so as a parent, private pay was not my first choice, but at the same time, I'm left in a position where my kid's suicidal mm-hmm. Do I wait for a waiting list to magically clear up? And pray that nothing happens between now right. and then? Or do I get them in somewhere next week right. and yeah. hope that works? And so those kind of decisions I've had to make over and over again. And I'm sure you have yep. too. you You're trying to find help and you just need a starting place. People will hand you names and phone numbers and practices. And insurance is a big play in that too. What they're willing to cover and who mm-hmm. they'll cover And to wade through all of that when you've got a kid that's struggling is really hard. Mm -hmm. It is just hard. And you have to be persistent. And you just have to keep picking up the phone and calling. And you have to make some tough decisions. And, um, you know, one thing I've dealt with, too, is, you know, dealing with, like, a pediatrician and a family doctor versus mental health. Mm -hmm. This is another thing I learned the hard way right? Because a lot of times you'll hear depression and anxiety. Well, you know, your family doctor can write a script for that. They can, but that is not what they're trained in. Right. Mm -hmm. And so whatever you get is probably not going to be beneficial to your child is the reality. And that's Mm -hmm. not because the doctor is not trying to help you, but they've got limited time and they have limited training dealing with mental health. Mm -hmm. And especially your kid whether they're second grade whether they're you know in middle school high school there's a whole lot of things that come into play there and i've learned this a hard way too that just going to you know the family doctor for a prescription is not always the best way to go it might get you some short-term relief but it's not going to be a long-term solution
1: yeah it's interesting because um things have changed in that realm i found too because Currently, our pediatrician's office, like, I had to beg. And we have a long-standing relationship when my middle child finally had gotten to a very stable point where we weren't having to go to psych to adjust meds. Like, sometimes a weekly basis, sometimes a monthly basis, but where they're finally like, we have a big wait list, and, like, you are so stable. You're really good right now. Let's see if your pediatrician can right. handle it for you from now, which is basically writing your script every, like, six months, basically, when we go in and say, hey, things are good because yeah. we're at a really stable point. Yeah. Um, but I had to beg for them to even be willing to take that on anymore because I think they've come to a point where it's like we don't we, – you're right, we don't have this specialty. And yeah. so I find now, as I'm, like, looking with my youngest, they're a lot quicker to refer out to other people who may be better able to, f- like, fit, which I think is, in the future, is going to serve families right. better than the way that it used to be. Yes. Where it was kind of this, like, one-size-fits-all, we're going to start you at a low dose, and then this is just going to, like, solve everything. Right. You know, which is maybe a band-aid temporarily. Yeah. But isn't, you know, addressing bigger long-term issues there
0: yeah and i recently had the experience with my youngest child of the difference of sitting in with like a family doctor prescribing stuff for anxiety depression and then going to see a pa who specializes Mm -hmm. in psych oh my gosh 10 minutes versus an hour i was shocked at how detailed and thorough that appointment was with the PA who specialized in psych meds, mm-hmm. I was shocked, and I was like, "I wish I had known about this four years ago, yeah. <laughs> at least." Yeah, you know, but the path to getting access to the right people is hard.
1: <laughs> it's <laughs> like, grueling, and you really have to be persistent sometimes. Yeah, where, and really conscious of the fact of what's working, what's not working, and really advocating because. It's kind of a funny thing as kids get older, like they're just expected to advocate for themselves and right. they're supposed to do all of these things. But when they're having mental health crises or are just not at a good place, they can't advocate for basic needs, let no. alone for like appropriate care or what possible, they can't even think outside of the here and now, let right. alone what things could be like, right? Yeah. So sometimes like as a parent you really have to advocate and you really kind of have to push and it's like yeah this isn't necessarily working and being okay with the fact of saying
0: this isn't working we need to try something out right what else do you have for me right absolutely and you know I remember um as a teen dealing with depression and starting therapy and I really didn't understand the concept that this is a process this is not like we hand you a prescription and things are, you're going to start feeling better in a week. That's not how this goes, you know? And so with kids, especially, and with parents, you need to understand that when you do start in meds, when you do start with a therapist or a counselor or whoever you're seeing, it is a process mm-hmm. and things are not going to get better overnight they might actually appear to get worse before they get better is what I have experienced. And so to kind of talk your kids into, you just need to hang in there yeah. because kids will very quickly say, well, this isn't working for me. Yep. This or when isn't working. it gets
1: hard, we decide that we're going to quit yes. because it's just, it gets very uncomfortable.
0: Yeah. Therapy is hard. Mm-hmm. It is hard work because whether you're dealing with, you know, emotional baggage you're keeping in or whether you're trying to retrain, you know, your thought process or your behaviors, whatever that is none of those are easy changes so parents and kids need to be prepared like it's going to be a process mm-hmm. and you have to understand that the participation level is going to come up and down <laughs> it's probably a nice way of saying that yeah. right
1: <laughs> yeah i think sometimes if they're just willing to show up even if it's with a scowl on their face and they look like this is the last place they wanted to be at the fact that they're in the car and they're willing to show up sometimes is a lot yeah even if it's kind of this, like, you as a parent want to hide underneath, like, the seat because their body language and everything else is kind of saying, I really don't want to be here. I right. hate you. I hate this type situation. Yeah. The fact that they just showed up
0: sometimes is huge.
1: Yeah. And that's all you can ask.
0: Absolutely. Um, and then, you know, one thing I wanted to bring up, too, was this idea of, like, parent responsibilities versus what the responsibility <laughs> is in the kid. And this gets hard and messy. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things that took me aback, and I remember, you know, back when we were first dealing with this with the the first kid, you know, you go into the psychiatrist's office and the first thing they start asking you, well, is there a family history of this? I'm like, whoa, what am I, (laughs) what are you grilling me for? Yeah, (laughs) was (laughs) like this is my issue? No, I brought you here, my child's here. (laughs) (laughs) Like, dang it, I didn't want to talk about me. (laughs) But retrospectively i wish i had been more open and honest about my experiences earlier i was under this false assumption that you know if i don't talk about it and it doesn't exist it will not be an issue for my kids Mm -hmm. which is not true (laughs) it really is not true unfortunately but it is hard when you step in especially when you have teenagers to this area of mental health because you're, you might be allowed in the room on certain occasions. Mm-hmm. For the most of the time, you're not, mm-hmm. right? And so, hopefully, whatever therapist you're working with is very upfront with you about when they contact parents and when they don't. Mm-hmm. They have very firm boundaries on that. They should, yep. right? But you're, you're giving a lot of trust over, right? And yep. if you have a kid like Sarah and I both have <laughs> these kids where they get in the car and they say, Nothing. How is therapy? Fine. Okay, that's what you're getting, and you're not getting any more. And it's not that you want details, but you want some reassurance, like, this is worth it, right? Right. (laughs) Because
1: your therapist is eating (laughs) off of their shirt, right? Like, we are, like,
0: making progress here somehow. (laughs) This, you know, $500 I'm taking out of our budget every month is worth it. This, you know, hour-long me driving somewhere and sitting in an office and driving home once a week, this is all worth it, right? And that, that satisfaction is not there for a long time, to be honest. Yeah. You know, it's just you have to start doing things and, and just see what happens, be patient. It is hard. Yeah. It is seriously hard.
1: Yeah. And I think sometimes those wins come in other ways. Yes. Where it's like wow, we had a two-minute conversation. Like, I find myself high-fiving my husband when we've had, like, a positive (laughs) interaction of something. Like, that's a win. Like, we are taking this. This is a win. Like, we did something. And I think it can get very discouraging at times, and especially when kids are in crisis. Yeah. And, like, sometimes even when it kills you because you already know the answer. Right. Like, still keeping them included asking if they want to do things even though you know it's going to be no even right. if you know like you're going to be rejected and it's like you are sitting here asking them for the world and you're just wanting to know if they want to do a b c d if they'll come out of the room even to come out of the room <laughs> right <laughs> you know
0: that's asking a lot that sometimes it is asking yeah. a
1: lot but just keeping it, that persistence which is hard because it's weary and it's tiring and it's like why am i putting forth all of this effort when like it seems like nothing is working But it does, and I think, like, celebrating those wins when you see them, even if it is a 30-second conversation where there wasn't an eye roll or there wasn't, you know, some sort of, like, disdain for
0: you're talking to me, why are you talking to me? Sometimes those are
1: huge wins.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And I remember having – the other thing I was dealing with, too, was when I kind of step in and out, right, and I think my daughter – she was still in high school, maybe 17 at the time. She had had kind of a lull, and she was really struggling. And I said, when is the last time you've been to therapy? Because we were at a point where she was taking herself. Mm-hmm. Well, we had to cancel one week because the therapist had to take her daughter to college and move her in. I was like, okay, when was that? A month ago. Have you been back since? No. I don't think it's doing anything for me. And I'm looking at this kid who's like melting into the table is how I would describe it. Like they were just so physically and emotionally done. And like, okay, well, we can't just do nothing. That's not an option. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, I picked up the phone and I called the therapist myself. And I said, so I, a haircut hasn't been in for a while. No, she hasn't called me. Let's get her in. And (laughs) in addition to that, let's start talking about meds. Which had not been um, an issue for this kid yet. But I was like, we need to do something more. And yeah. convincing those kids that I know this is hard, mm-hmm. but we're not going to give up. Yeah, And it, it's hard as a parent to sometimes figure out where that line is. But sometimes you have to step in and say, okay, I know you're struggling. I know you're frustrated, but we are not giving up. We're going to do something else and see if that works. And if that doesn't work, we'll try something else on and on and on. But, you know, I had to start asking questions. When's the last time you've been to therapy? You know, those kind of questions.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And in our house, it's been a very like hard line in the sand when it's your health and it's your safety. At this point, like these are like non-negotiable type things, like non-negotiable. And like we are going to work through this one way or another, we're going to get you the help that you need. Like, and we've had very tough conversations, like inside the house of like, is this beyond what we can handle here right now? Right. Like, and whether you can admit that or not as a parent, I'm telling you we are beyond a point. We need further help. Right. And sometimes and making those like super hard decisions. And before we had kind of gotten to that, I remember calling my mom and I was just sobbing and I'm like I can't do this anymore yeah I'm like I can't I can't do this and so she came over she dropped everything she came over she's like she's coming with me and like and telling your child and I told her at the time and it was the hardest thing I said this is for both of us right this is for both of us because the alternative is going to be a lot worse right now. And right. you need someone else speaking into your life right now yeah. and just being with you while you are just blah. and I need a break. And, yeah. and I was very honest. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just like, because this is not working and it's yeah. not helping anybody and you need help and I need help. But sometimes like me getting that help is being able to take care of myself and say, I can't do this alone.
0: Yeah. And I think that's really hard, too, because as a parent, I remember feeling like everything was on me all the time. Mm -hmm. I've got to figure all this out. I've got to find all the answers. I've got to carry everyone else's load. Mm -hmm. And to stop and say, this is hard. I need help. is not something I was trained to do. Oh, no. (laughs) No, are you, you telling me to do that? Admit
1: like <laughs> vulnerability and that you don't have it all together and you're not this like
0: perfect person. Are you kidding me? No, it stinks. But, and, and that does you such a disservice mm-hmm. because it wears you down yep. and your kid gets frustrated and you do hit these places where like you cannot move forward. Yeah. You just can't. And you need someone else to step in whether it's a family member or a friend or whatever that looks like. Sometimes you just need outside help. But as parents, we're never told like, it's okay to ask for help. Yeah. It's okay
1: to admit that you can't handle this alone. Yes. Just that you can't handle this alone.
0: Yeah. Because these are, these get to be really big things Mm -hmm. and you can't handle them alone. And it's really, um, really gets tough. And, When you have kids that are going to school, you know, and trying to get schoolwork done or trying to work or trying to be part of a sports team or all these other things that our kids are trying to do because we're trying to keep them normal, Mm -hmm. it makes it even more challenging. Yeah. You know, and it's really hard as a parent to look at the landscape and say, what's the priority here? you for joining me today. And thank you to Sarah for sitting down and having this difficult conversation with me. Next week, we will continue our conversation about the long road of mental health. Hang in there. We are all doing the best we can. Have a good week.